Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is brought to you by the NBA Store. A new year brings the start of a new NBA season. Suit up with the latest gear to show you support your team. We may be sidelined from going to the arena right now, but that doesn't mean you can't watch basketball from your couch in style. We are teaming up with the NBA and Podgo to bring our listeners up to 75% off of selected items. Yes, you heard that right, folks. Go to podgo.co slash NBA for up to 75% off select items from the NBA store. The NBA, where amazing happens. This episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about something we could all use more of right now. Yeah, that's right. Sex. Great sex. Guys, now you can increase your performance and get extra confidence in the bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com is the place to go. That's right. Blue. Like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. If you could benefit from more confidence right where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. That's right. When you use the promo code EMPIRE, you pay just $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, the promo code EMPIRE, to try it for free. That's right. BlueChew.com. Use the promo code Empire. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Podcast. is a man that was a former three-time WWC Tag Team Champion, a former Mid-South World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as Hot Commodity or the Wildcat. He is Mr. Wendell Cooley. Mr. Cooley, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, man. Good to be here. Now, I feel like, you know, obviously with uh, everything going on, there's not too much wrestling conventions, not too much wrestling in general, but what have you been up to? 
<laughs> you know, I haven't done much of anything actually lately. Just been a little bit uh, lazy. I spend my free time either on the golf course or on the river. Nice. Yeah. You good but golfer? It's been a little iffy here. You know, we went through the through all the hurricanes we had, uh, tore up our golf courses pretty good and messed up our rivers. And now we're getting into winter time and we've had some really unseasonable cold weather and a lot of rainy weather lately. So, uh, hadn't got to do as much as I want to do, but yeah, it's starting to get nice now. Are you a good golfer? Uh, I carry a single digit handicap. Damn. Nice. Yeah. Pretty damn good. As far as kind of uh, getting out there now, I guess like we were saying before, it's getting a little damn too cold uh, to do any of that. It's getting a little bit. I mean, our nights are cold right now, but the days are in the upper 50s, low 60s. That's weather right there. For sure. Now, do you still follow, like, the current product at all, or you kind of disconnected from wrestling in general? No. Uh, you know, I, I got out of the business back then on a full-time basis. I got out in 96, went to work for the government, got me one of those easy government jobs. And, uh, you know, I had to uh, I had to get away, totally get away, because I didn't want to continue trying to dabble in it and make a bad decision and do something I shouldn't do and mess up a, a good thing for the future. So... I stayed away from it for probably 15 years. I, I didn't follow it. I didn't talk about it. I didn't didn't take any bookings that were offered or anything up until about three years ago, four years maybe. We started doing the, the uh, Continental Reunion shows in Dothan where everything kind of all started for me. So... Um, I'll do a couple shows a year, but other than that, nah. Do you watch it on TV at all? Very rarely ever. Uh, I'm just not that uh, not up into that particular. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it's uh, totally different than back in the day when I came through. Not your cup of tea. No, at all. Got some good talent out there, man. They just, um, you know, they're 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 selling a different product. Of course, the, the 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 you know the public is buying the product, so why change? But it's just not mine. Now, as far as you starting out in the business, did you start out down in SECW down there in the Alabama area? I did. I did. Yes. Back so in '83. So how'd you actually like break in? Like how do you be, want like kind of step forward and say, "Yeah, hey, I want to be a pro wrestler." I'm going to jump right into this. Well, you know, it all starts, I guess, when we're kids. We all have things we want to do. And back in the day, we got three TV channels, you know, and uh, we didn't get a lot of sports other than occasional baseball game on wide world sports or a football game or something but you could get wrestling every Saturday so we got into watching wrestling and 
first one thing and another, and you know, as fate would have it, uh, as I got older, my older actually my older brother broke in before I did. We met one of the retired guys that retired here, uh, and he was an insurance salesman. Got to be good friends with him, and he and my brother worked out for a while, and then uh, I decided I wanted to do it. And uh, my brother decided he didn't want to travel and do it, and uh, I did, and you know, the rest is history. So who do you train with, Robert Fuller down there in the Continental area? Uh, to break me in? Yeah. Uh, no, actually, it was an older, retired guy. His name was Bad Boy Hines. He was uh, he was big in the 50s and 60s. He retired in the late, late 70s. And uh, he's the one that actually uh, got it all started for us, got us trained and... Uh, but yeah, Robert and Ron were the the bookers here. They're, those those are the guys that give us the opportunity. How do you get noticed by those guys? Uh, you know, got an opportunity to uh, to go do TV, you know, and uh, made an impression. So uh, we became one of their, you know. Speed dial guys, you know, we need a guy for tonight. We call, you know, myself or my brother. Uh, and uh, they told me one 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 show we were at, they said, look, you need to uh, go somewhere and get you some experience and come back. You know, they don't want to keep beating you up, you know what I mean, and kill you off. So I left and worked some uh, independent shows anywhere I could find somewhere to go. Uh, ended up meeting up with uh, Scott Casey uh, and Bob Sweetan, and they got me an opportunity to go to work in San Antonio for Kelly Blanchard. So uh, that's where I got my first territory back in 1984. And what was your experience down there with uh, San Antonio in SWCW? Uh, exactly. What are you asking? Like, what, what was like the experience? Was it like a, a little bit of a culture shock? Is you know you're basically going well, you know, yeah. all the way over to San Antonio. You know, it's, it's a, a little bit of a leap there from Florida. It was. I mean, you know, um, very, um, uh, very different. Than what I, you know, I hadn't worked nothing but some independent shows and some little TV shows and programs right here local. And uh, um, there was a lot more, uh, uh, what do you say, more international type uh, personalities there from all different places, Mexico, Japan. Um, I think there was a couple Canadians there and, uh, yeah, me being just a young kid in the business, hadn't been in the business hardly a year, uh, nothing on a full time basis. Yeah, it was um it was uh, it was different, but you know, they took care of me, man. They uh they gave me a push immediately because I you know, I I put my time in the gym. I knew my craft, I just needed to 
you know, to polish it. I knew what I was doing. Um, and I put my time in the gym. I, I kept myself in shape and uh, took care of myself. So they gave me a good push down there. Eric Embry was booking when I was down there the first go-round, and he left. And uh, I think Buck Robley came in and took over the books. But territory, you know, I got in on the tail end of it. It wasn't in great shape at the time. We made some good money, but it wasn't in great shape. Were you going as Rick Casey at that point? That's where I started out. That was the first name I used was Rick Casey. Yeah, Scott and I worked together for a little while. Uh, and uh, then he left for uh, um, for the Von Erics. And I stayed in San Antonio. And then you kind of get a, a another big break or another big push. You get, move on to Mid-South Wrestling yeah. in uh, Oklahoma with Mr. Bill Watts. Yes, I did. That's where I got my real big, you know, TV break there with some good exposure and a good push, you know. Uh, they teamed me up with Al Perez. And, uh, um, you know, that we, we played that out. And uh, by that time, I done got a, a hankering to uh, ready to get back home, you know. I done got me some experience, and I was ready to get back home. So uh waiting on an opportunity for something to open up here. So uh, Bill Dundee was booking in uh, in uh, Mid-South when I first went there. He left and went back to Memphis and took the books. So he called me, offered me a spot to go to, uh, to Mid-South uh, and uh, Memphis. And uh, it, me, uh, and I don't know what it to sound bad. I did work some tag team up uh, uh, for a while, but I was more of a, you know, uh, a singles kind of guy. So he gave me an opportunity to come in and be the be the top baby in uh, in uh, Memphis. So uh, I left mid south to Memphis. Well, before we get to Memphis, I'm just curious of that team with Al Perez because you guys do win the Mid-South Tag Team title, so, you know, a bit of a push. It really was supposed to be against Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Ted DiBiase, but Bob Sweetan replaces him. But still, winning the tag titles seems like a pretty big, you know, momentous uh, occasion for you because, Mem- or because Mid-South was pretty big at that point. And when Dundee had the book, they were really on fire. Did it they feel were- like... Did it feel like, you know, an important thing in your career at that point, or are you thinking, I really wanted to be a singles guy? Well, you know, it, it, to me it was all business. You know what I mean? I did what I had to do. Um, I felt I felt like uh, tag team is very hard, man. you got to think for two people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you're in a singles, you know, you think for yourself. You ad lib for yourself, and you don't have to worry about anyone else. You know, um, I don't know. I, I I started out as a single, and then uh, and then when I went to uh, mid south, 
they were full of singles guys. You know, they had Duggan there. They had Terry Taylor there. They had Butch Reed there. Uh, you know, they were full of singles guys, but they didn't have any. I mean, they had the Fantastics there, Bobby and Tommy, but they were smaller guys. You know, they wanted a, some bigger guys uh, to work with uh, DBIC and Dr. Duff, Steve Williams. So they uh, they gave Al and I an opportunity. We we did good. I mean, we jailed good. Uh, we had some uh, some good shows there, man. The place was on fire. It really was. Uh, we made a lot of good money there. Um, and uh, you know, it's like everything else. You know, you, you, you get to a point where you're ready to make a move because there weren't nowhere else to go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you go. You, you wear out your welcome. You know there were no other hot tag teams there, um, and you can only work a program for so long. Something's going to happen. So you see the writing on the wall. You know. So it's time to move on, and and uh, that that's kind of where it went from there. You did get a chance to wrestle the Nature Boy Ric Flair down there as well, right? I did. Yes, I did. Uh, matter of fact, that's the first time I ever met Flair was when I was working there. And I, I worked with him several times, actually, uh, which was one of the highlights of my, my career. I worked with uh, with four of the, the world champions, actually. I worked with Flair, worked with Hardy Race. I worked with Nick Bockwinkle and Jerry Lawler on numerous, numerous occasions. Quite the resume there. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, Flair's the only one that didn't do a job for me. Damn, you, you got uh, some pretty high uh, yeah. highfalutin wins right there. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's great. Yeah, not uh, uh, Nick Bockwinkle gave me the, 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 the biggest compliment of my career, you know, right in the middle of the ring in Knoxville, Tennessee, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I mean, that is that's great. But Nick Bockwinkle, I feel like for some reason underrated. I have no idea why, but definitely one of the all-time greats. Could work, could talk. I mean, he could do it all. Oh my God! Yeah, it was so smooth, man. I can remember when I when I first met him. He came to the Coliseum that night in Knoxville, and I go into the dressing room to speak with him, and I said, you know, introduce myself and shook his hand. I said. Is anything special that uh, that you'd like to do tonight? He said, "Tonight's your night, kid. You know what I mean. We'll just play it by ear." I said, "You got it." That's kind of the way it was, you know. I think we spent forty-five minutes on the mat with an arm bar and brought the house down. Then, when you work with Ric Flair, you spend forty-five minutes and never stop, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Hardy Race. What a heck of a gentleman he was. I worked with him in, in, in St. Louis. That's his hometown, you know. That's his stomping ground. And, uh, you know, he gave me the honor there. You know, he was on his way out. And I had just uh, I just went to work for WCW then before I suffered the bad, bad knee injury. And um, Jerry Lawler... Uh, Many times he would come in and out of, of uh, Continental and work with me here. 
And what was it like working with Jerry? Jerry was uh, a lot of people didn't like Jerry. Jerry was kind of, you know, brash and kind of. Uh, but the guy knew the business and probably one of the best workers and one of the best minds in the business. You know, um, however, um, he was going to take care of Jerry Lawler. You know, um, but you know, he made his life in the business. As a matter of fact, he's still working shows today, but um, yeah, he's probably one of the best workers in the business that I ever crawled in the ring with. Flair was, was a good worker. He was extremely flamboyant, and uh, but probably rate, out of the four, he would probably rate number three. So you go uh, Bachwinkle one, Lawler two, Flair three. Or uh, how, how are you rating? No, no. Well, no. Actually, he would. I, I was thinking five. You'd probably go four because of Harley Race. You know. Oh him yeah. And him and Bachwinkle were real close, and Lawler. But far as actual working, yeah, I would say Lawler was. You know, he had to be number number one or two because Bachwinkle was just such a technician, you know. Um, Lawler was, was flamboyant also, but had a great mind and super worker, you know. Um, and, and, and Harley Race was was more like Bachwinkle, just very tactical, you, you know. It wasn't all about the flamboyancy. Every move he made, there was a reason why he made it, you know. Um, but, oh, yeah. It was great, man. It was great. What about a guy you feuded with in Memphis for a little bit, Dirty Dutch Mantel? Dirty Dutch, yeah. Dirty Dutch, man. He he uh, he's a one of a kind, man. You, it just depends on what night you caught him. You know, some nights were just smooth as pie, and 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 other nights, golly, man, it was freaking rough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, get out of position and get freaking hurt. Uh, not intentionally, don't get me wrong, but just um, um, just some nights so so freaking firm and stiff. Other nights just loosey goosey and smooth and you know. Uh, but we probably worked together. I don't had to be a good three, four months in Memphis. And then when I left there and came back home here to Continental, he came in a few months later, and then we hooked up again for another six- or eight-month run. But, um, yeah, he was uh, he was one of my favorites. He really was, he and Tom Pritchard. Uh, because I like to work a little snug, you know, and get a little rough at times. Yeah, we had some good runs. We sure did. Two of my buddies, uh, Dirty Dutch and, and Dr. Tom. Yeah, those are uh, those yeah. are two of my guys for sure. What was Dr. Tom like? He he was a little bit stiff, a little bit snug, but you you enjoyed working him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tom, yeah, Tom kind of like you know he he um he liked to get good and snug. He's kind of like me, old school, you know. You do something, there's a reason why you do it, and everything you do, you want to make sure that, you know, 
that it appears to be what it's, you know, portrayed to be. I think Dutch's problem was is he wore such such strong pres- prescription glasses. A lot of times he couldn't really judge you, judge distances sometimes. But Tom, on the other hand, <laughs> that's a, kind of the way he wanted it. He wanted to be snug and he wanted you to be snug back, you know? Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 With, you know, um, Dutch not seeing that great, that was the old Stan Hansen thing that if he can't see, he's just going to make it look as real as possible. There you go. Yeah. Then again, I think sometimes, you know, he'd slip one in there on purpose. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, and then say, oh, sorry. Yeah. See how you react, I guess, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah. As far as, like, Memphis itself and Memphis, the territory, who was kind of the main booker? Was it at halftime Jarrett, half the time Lawler, or was it somebody else kind of inter-splice in between when you were there? Uh, when I was there, Dundee, Dundee was pretty much pretty much the guy. But it's a committee-type thing, man. Jerry, you know, being the owner, um, Jarrett, uh, he's going to have his say. Um Jerry Lawler was going to have his say and handle all of his, um, you know, stuff. And uh, and Randy Hales, you know, he he, uh, he had some ideas. Now, I, I, I think Randy just kind of grew up around the business and got an opportunity, and they took a liking to him. I, I know he's never had any in-ring experience, but uh, it was kind of a committee-type thing. And what did you think of like just your time down there in general? Because at that point, it's still pretty hot. I mean, it's still pretty good. It's kind of I know WWF is just kicking butt, but at that time, it's still doing well, still drawing well. Obviously, whoever Lawler's kind of feuding with is always kind of high priority. But what did you kind of think of the territory at the time? Uh, I thought it was at that point in time, man. I was extremely happy because Mid South was so long. I mean, God, man, we just hundreds and thousands of miles uh, in a vehicle. Uh, and I went to Memphis and doing half of the miles and, and making twice the money. Wow. Uh, you know, um, because uh, in Mid-South, uh, Bill Watts got 100% of all of merchandise. When I went to Memphis, I got 90% of everything that I sold which was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. The first time they brought me a a handful of cash, uh, I thought, what in the hell is this for? Well, this is for all of your souvenirs that we've sold. Thank you. And uh, Jesus Christ, man. Uh, It it was unbelievable, man, Uh, the amount of souvenir sales that, uh, that were going on and I had no idea about it back working for Watch. Never really even gave it a second thought. But after I thought about it, I said, Dad, go, man. Look at all the money this son of a gun made off of us, and we didn't get a penny of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's not right. No. Interesting, though. Memphis, very uh, very fair. 90-10 you know, split is uh, very fair. Yeah, and I didn't supply anything. I didn't supply anything. 
the uh, 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 Mr. Coffee was was the gentleman. He and his wife. Uh, now it was mainly only in Memphis, and some of the closer spot shows they would go uh, sell souvenirs uh, for you, and they would get them printed. They would sell them, and they would bring you. 90% or whatever the profit was, and they took 10%. Which was still at the time, man. Mm. It was freaking sweet. Yeah, I think WB, even now, I think like this split is crazy. It's like 90 10 the other way. <laughs> like, they, it, it, you know? Exactly. And then when we got to uh, Continental back here to Southeastern, you know, whatever we did, that was all on us. And I can tell you, back in the day, back in the 80s, I was averaging probably 400, 400 bucks a night just in souvenir sales. Pretty good. Um, really? My big nights, my big nights, we were in Knoxville every two weeks. I would do 12 to 1500 a night there. Uh, Back wow. then, so it was unreal, man. And then that's all over and above, you know, what your guarantee, uh, you know, salary was. You were cleaning up. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the real sweet deal right there, you know. And what did you think about that continental territory? Because Doctor Tom always says, and a few other guys you always hear that says like. Yeah, I think Aaron Anderson has said it too. It's like, man, it's one of those territories you don't want to leave because it's such a great, like, nice area. The drives weren't too, too bad. The weather is usually pretty nice. The girls are usually pretty nice. One of those nice territories to be in. They had everything you wanted, man. You were home. If you wanted to be home, you could be home every night of the week and sleep in your own bed. And then when we started opening up, um, East Tennessee again. Now, of course, we had to stay away a couple nights. It was just too long of a drive, too hard of a drive, you know. Um, but you could be home every night in your own bed if you wanted to make the drive. It was sweet, man. You know, of course, I'm not a big beach guy. I grew up here on the beaches. I'm more of a river guy. But these guys love that beach, man. They love the beach. Easy territory. I mean, I mean, you got a you got a twenty five minute drive on on Sunday night. You got an hour drive on Tuesday night. You were off on Wednesday, and you got a two and a half hour drive on Thursday. Friday night was usually somewhere around Dothan, which was another hour and a half, two hour drive. Then you're back home Saturday night, and you got a twenty five minute run the next night. So you know, really super easy. Yeah, sounds not too shabby as far as the territories are concerned. Like I was saying before, Mid South is far, long drives and just uh, terrible, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and probably some time zone changes as well. So I mean, it's just yeah. uh, not good. Yeah. yeah, Memphis was you know wasn't that long, but the way they had it set up, you know, you would go to Memphis TV live TV Saturday morning, drive back to Nashville for a show in Nashville Saturday night. And then Monday, you were right back in Memphis, you know, there and back. And then Tuesday night, you were in Louisville. 
Kentucky, then Evansville, Indiana on, on Wednesday night. Thursday night would be wherever, and then Friday night you were in Jackson, Tennessee, or somewhere close to Memphis, because Memphis, I believe, was, what, 8, 8 30, 9 o'clock live or something, maybe 10 o'clock. I don't know. We had to be there 8 or 8.30. So, yeah, that was the, that was the only thing bad about that. You know, you were in Memphis twice within three days, and we were living in Nashville. So you had to drive into the setting sun on your way there on Monday evening, and that's 200-plus miles, I think, wrong one way. So on Monday night, you would drive there and then drive back. Not too good. Were you a big party guy? Did you like to kind of go out and drink and hang with the boys, or were you more the guy that kind of stayed to yourself and you know, maybe hit the hotel room and just go to bed and not really go party too much? Uh, you know, early days, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then when, uh, when I got here, you know, I kind of was a, one of the local guys. You know, I, I, I'd get what I needed and hit back to the room. You know, I I done burnt myself out on hanging out in the bars and all of that crap, you know, for nights on the end. Yeah. Wore myself out quick because, uh, you know, a little bit of do you good, well, a whole lot of do you a whole lot better kind of attitude I had, you know. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so. Yeah, when you were in Continental, you pretty much had, you know, a pretty long feud or, or a lot of matches, really, with Adrian Street. I think a lot of people kind of don't realize, you know, like how tough he was and all this other stuff. Because, you know, they look at the exotic gimmick and they think, like, oh, okay, yeah. this, this, you know, this guy, oh, look at him. He's, oh, he's short, you know, blah, blah. But everyone always says, a bit of a shooter. You don't want him to be mad at you. He can, like, embarrass you out there. What was it like working with Adrian Street? You know, um, when I first met him, uh, actually, I'm going to be honest with you. They brought me in here just to fill a slot on the card, okay? Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to work with Adrian. He was so, you know, working that gimmick. They they, they, they thought that they could get Idle to work with him, but Idle, you know, with his, you know, his personality and his attitude and whatever, he didn't want to do it. Um, so... Um, they brought me in. Nobody knew how quick it would go and how good it would catch on, you know. Um, but um, when I first met him, you know, I, I, I had the thoughts, too. I said, it's going to be very freaking hard, you know, extremely difficult. One of the most super nicest guy, he and his wife, Linda, but a true, sure enough, downright badass, okay? Um, yeah, a, 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 a sure enough badass. But he, um, I, I, I don't know, he, um, he, he was very different than anybody I ever worked with. He was a little snug, which was okay, because that's the way that they learned, you know, over in England and all. Uh, they do a lot of wrestling and whatever, um, but he gave me the respect after I worked with him two or three times. He never 
opened his mouth the whole probably six or eight months we ever worked together. Whatever we did, it's whatever I said we were going to do. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, only thing that we got that we talked about was the finish, okay? This is this is the finish, and this is what's going to have to happen after, or we're just going to the finish, it's done, it's over with, see you later kind of thing. Uh, he never opened his mouth in the ring, never said a word, but never refused anything I ever said while we were in there, ever. And a lot of times we didn't say a lot of anything because, you know, we just ad-libbed and played off of each other. And it was, it was, it was phenomenal. It really was. It, it was, you had to work your ass off because he loved to go, you know, and uh, he was real snug, which was okay. Never hurt you. Or he could if he wanted to, but he never hurt you. Um, and, and very respectful, but I was very respectful for him also. You know what I mean? And he knew that. He knew he could trust me. So, uh, yeah, that was a that was a very uh, that, that actually that's what made me made my whole career because that was the very first um, the very first program uh, that I worked when they brought me back here. You know. You become Southeastern heavyweight champion a few times, and even have a loser wears a dress <laughs> match, which is yeah. We had all kind of gimmick things, yep. but we had a great one set up until Linda fell and got hurt. You know, uh, one of the first things was she was going to be my valet, and then she fell and hurt and broke her leg. So it kind of, you know, we had already shot some footage out here at my ranch, and. Um, uh, that kind of put a halt on things, but you know, we came up with a bunch of we we had a saddle match, you know, where I put the saddle on him and you know rode him around the ring and just all kind of of uh, goofy things. But we stretched it out, man. We got months and months out of it. Did the crowd absolutely hate his gimmick and his style? Because I could see the South plus his gimmick and him getting, like, just tremendous, tremendous heat. Yes. Yes, they did. Totally. You know, it was during that time frame, you know, back in the 80s, too, where that was still, you know, real kayfabe. So, yeah, he had a tremendous amount of heat just because of the gimmick. You mentioned the... Uh... The saddle matches, you know, the bull rope matches, the loser gets tarred and feathered matches. I mean, you're right. It was quite a long but successful program for you guys. Yeah, you know, and um, um, and, and and we probably could have continued dragging it on out. But, you know, it was time for him to, uh, you know, they wanted to turn him babyface. And Dutch had came in. So, you know, it was time to move on. And um, uh, during the uh, during the changeover, I worked uh, a few matches with Chris, Chris Colt. Um, that didn't go anywhere. Uh, he just weren't the kind of, uh, I guess, the kind of uh, guy they were looking for. He didn't, I guess he might have stayed a month or two and, 
they let him go and go on. I think he was um, fixing the term baby face or something, working with the sheep herders. And uh, it would be it would be quite a while after that before Tom and I started working our program. But that was another one there. You know, Dutch and I had a real long program, and then Tom and I had a really long program, and uh, and that's about the time that uh, Ron sold the territory to David Woods. He went to Knoxville, and. Uh, Eddie Gilbert came in to book, and I decided it was time for me to leave, so I went to work for Ron in Knoxville. Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is sponsored by Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. It's 2021. Get rid of the cigarettes, unplug the vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. Folks, this is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your house each month. So it is simple, and you don't have to leave the house because Lucy has delivery down. Two-man power trip of wrestling listeners. Go to lucy.co and use promo code POWERTRIP to get 20% off all products, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use promo code POWERTRIP at checkout. Also, I have to give you this disclaimer. Warning! This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. So go to lucy.co and make sure to use that promo code POWERTRIP like my brother-in-law does. He really, really has switched from cigarettes to Lucy, so it is just an unbelievable thing for me to promote this stuff to you. One more time, lucy.co. Make sure to use the promo code POWERTRIP. And what did you think about Ron? Everyone, you know, kind of has their own opinion of him, but I always felt like very good booker, very strong guy. And then another thing is like, I know they say he's six nine, but somehow I feel like he's even taller. It's a weird thing, but I, I've met him before and I was like, this guy is tall. This guy's like seven foot. It's just one of those weird things. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, he's huge, but he's bigger than you even think he is. He's, he's that big. Right. Yeah. You know, everybody has their opinions of people. Ron to me, I owe Ron, I owe Ron pretty much my whole career. And I'll, and I'll tell you, um, we were we were in some town in Kentucky one night, and I always got there early. I had a driver, and he took care of all my souvenirs. So we always got there early enough to get to get set up, you know, and and whatever. Because souvenir was a big money back then. I mean, it was a big money maker. So um, we had gotten there early one night. It's town in Kentucky. So I was in the dressing room getting dressed. And uh, Ron's um, promoter for all the shows, Knoxville and above, uh, this guy took care of him. And he said, uh, he said, how you liking it around here? It's good. I mean, it's home. I mean, Kentucky's not home, but the territory's home. Yeah, I'm liking it. He said, well, i tell you what. He said, Ron 
is sure uh, brags on you a lot. He said uh, that you are his top money man. I said, really? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, you know, that kind of stuck in my mind. So uh, we were in Birmingham. Winter months, you know, it's a slow time of the season, uh, January, February time frame, always traditionally slow. So Ron's wife was in Birmingham making the payoffs one night. So uh, I go to get my check, and uh, she said, uh, things going. I said, well, from the looks of this, I said, not too freaking good. She said, what do you mean? So I kind of, you know, laid some things out to her. And uh, I didn't think any more about it. So the next Monday night, we were in Birmingham getting ready to do TV, and Ron shows up, and he says, hey, Wendell, can I see you a minute? And I thought, oh, shit, you know. What in the hell have I done, you know, because he kind of had yeah. that look on his face. I thought, oh, hell, this is all I need to be getting my damn notice. You know, things are a little slow around here, and here I am going to get my friggin' notice. So we get into the room, and I said, yeah, what's up? And he looked straight in my face, and he said, how are things going? I didn't know, really know how to answer him. I thought, well, man, they're okay. He said, well, no, I'm, I'm honest. He said, how are things going? He said, are you happy or, or what? And I knew right then, you know what I mean? Okay, now, <laughs> now, you know what I mean, you need to you need to freaking speak up. I said, well, okay, well, let me just tell you like this, boss. I said, there was a few shows that I thought I should have, uh, you know, made a little better payoff. I mean, I know traditionally things are a little bit slow, but, you know, we know, you know, that, uh, you know, you work your ass off and you're on top of the card, you know. He said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, let's give it another week. He said, let's see what your check looks like next week. And he said, if you're not happy with that, you and I will sit down and we'll we'll discuss a, a, a guarantee. I said, okay, fair enough. So my check increased by 400 bucks the next week. And... Uh, I never had to worry from then on, you know. Uh, Stand-up guy. Yeah, exactly. Straight up. I mean, he knew. I mean, it was pretty obvious, you know what I mean? You know. And he knew. He he, he knew I was uh, making money. No, not me just by myself. Don't get me wrong, you know. We had some good programs. But I worked my ass off, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know. He respected that and rewarded me for that. So, yeah, Ron's got all my, yeah, super guy. My opinion, super. Great guy, a hell of a promoter. Very, very yes. successful. And even in the uh, co- uh, not college, at uh, the hockey world. In the hockey. Me. Yeah, yeah hockey, the hockey, hockey world. Yep. Very successful. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So when you are basically going to WCW, and I guess Jim Hurd is really in charge. Of. How do you get signed or how do you get noticed by WCW and kind of work your way over there? Ronnie West. Ronnie West. I had just um I just came off a bad injury uh right after 
right after uh, Ron kind of folded up in Knoxville. There was a few months there that uh, I didn't do a, do much, and uh, I had broken my arm, and uh, I'd spent, I don't know, about six weeks actually doing nothing. There was nowhere to really go. Territories were fading out. Um, I had done, you know, I had left Continental and went to work for Ron, and uh, I didn't want to come back here. So I picked the phone up and called Ronnie West because I knew he was there working, you know, refereeing. I said, can you get me a spot? Right now, I don't care. I just need to get back in the ring, man. It's been, you know, in a couple months. I'm ready to get back into the ring. So Kevin Sullivan was there as one of the agents. And uh, they brought me right in, man, and gave me some good freaking, give me a good slot, you know, working with Bam Bam Bigelow and some of the other, you know, mid to upper tier, tier guys. And uh, we were in Atlanta on a, what was it? Tuesday night, Wednesday night, whatever it was, we did TV at Atlanta. And they put me in a tag match with uh, uh, some younger kid doing a Indian gimmick. We were working with the state patrol, and uh, one of those guys clipped clipped my leg from the side and uh, uh, snapped my knee. Oh. So we kind of yeah we kind of had to abruptly end the match and get me out of there. And uh, I worked another week. Well, actually, they took me to the uh, the uh, um, the Ortho uh, Atlanta Hawks uh, orthopedic guy there, and um, um, he recommended reconstructive surgery. I said, "Well, shit, we've got another week on this Northern run. I can't go right now." Uh, I said, "I got to get by and do what I can do." So. Uh, we fitted me up with a, a sleeve and a and a, uh, a leg brace, and uh, I made one more week. We get back to TV in Atlanta, and uh, Ole wanted me to do this some god awful goofy something off the top turnbuckle out off into the front row with this. Um, they had L. Gante back then, a seven foot six guy oh, yeah. they had brought. Yep. Oh my God, yeah. And I said, you know what? I said, any other time I wouldn't have a problem. I said, but I can barely get myself to and from the ring right now. And of course, he says, well, what happened? I said, well, last freaking TV, one of you guys freaking my leg, you know? And I said, I'm patched up and put together as best I can. I said, I need a little time to get well before I do anything that extravagant. So he says, well, how about taking a taking a few weeks off, go home and get well, and then call me back? Yeah. You know, by that time, you know, I got away from there for a few weeks, and, uh, and then um, my partner, Frankie Lancaster, wanted me to go to Puerto Rico with him and team up. Well, I'd never been to Puerto Rico. So we decide we're going to go to Puerto Rico. 
The Heartbreakers, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was some fun times, man. The island life is not my kind of life, okay? I mean, I really missed home, you know? Uh, it was kind of it was nice if you loved the beaches and the, the damn casinos, you know? Yep. And you wanted to be a party animal all night because that city never slept. San Juan never slept. 24-7, it was a tourist town, you know? Big time, yep. Yeah, so we had fun there, don't get me wrong. It was a great run. It was a great run. They put the they put the belts on, Frankie and I, and uh, we worked with the Invader, and that was right after the Brody incident, a few months or so after that incident that we went in there. Uh, that was kind of a little nerve-wracking from the get-go, you know? Oh, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, the big rib was don't go in the shower. <laughs> but, oh, my God, yep. But, yeah, we worked with him the very first night there, you know. But I tell you what, man, I tell you what, the guy was a nice guy, very respectful, complimented me night after night after night, you know, and uh, had some great matches with Jose. Now, what happened prior to that? I mean, I only know what I've heard. I, I don't know what went on. You know, I did my job as, you know, professionally as I could do it. I didn't mention anything about it. I didn't rib about it or nothing. You know, I just, you know, took care of my business. And that was that. But, yeah, I had a great run there, man. Um, had a great run there. I just got bored with it, you know. Um Hell, I could have stayed there till he shut the doors, man. I got along great with Carlos and most of the guys, actually. What did you think about the Thumper? I feel like he's definitely kind of underrated. People always think because, you know, when he was in WCW, I think when a lot of the fans maybe, you know, he was always kind of the enhancement guy. But what did you think of, of Frankie Lancaster? I always thought he was a good hand. Frankie Lancaster is probably one of my best friends in the entire business ever. I met him in 1984, which was his first territory. My first territory was San Antonio. He's one of my best friends ever in this whole entire business, ever. We, matter of fact, I talked with him this afternoon. Oh, wow. Awesome. In, yeah. Oh, yeah. We stay in touch, guys. Um, he and I do. Uh, Scott Casey and I stay in touch. Uh, Pat Rose and I stay in touch. Um, there's a few of the guys that I stay in close contact with. I see the Armstrong guys occasionally, you know. Um, um, Road Dog doesn't live far from me. Um, Scott doesn't live far from me. He and Steve. So I run into those guys pretty regular. Uh, but Frankie, yeah. I, I tell you, man, Frankie, um, you know, some guys – some guys, uh, the business came natural to, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, it was just naturally able to, God, and I don't want to say this in the wrong way, man, because he's one of my dearest friends and I love him to death. There were things that were um, kind of hard to make realistic. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, charismatic charisma, charisma. Okay, that's the word I'm looking for. Okay, 
that wasn't easy for him to come by. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, technically, he knew everything. He could do anything. He was a much better heel than he was a baby face, work-wise. But he needed a good heel to, <laughs> uh, golly, to to really enhance him. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, you know, some things come easier for some people, and sometimes it comes harder for others. But oh yeah, my dearest friend in this business, man. Yeah, I just spoke with him probably two hours ago. Oh, what a coincidence! He calls and checks on me on a regular basis. Great to remain that friendship for all these years. Very cool. It, it is, and it's it 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 was um you know it's very tough to have those kind of close close relationships with people in the business. You know what I mean? Only because it's the kind of person that the business will make you if you allow it to make you that kind of person. Yep, I got gotcha, you yep. for sure. For you sure. know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, but me. You know, I'm the same way when I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed at night, I'm the same guy. I was the same guy in the business, whether I was in the ring, on the river, at the bar, or wherever. I never was two different kind of people, you know what I mean? And I think that was probably one of the biggest reasons that I had the success that I had. I was real all the time, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I feel like it's interesting that you guys kind of don't leave that area. Even the Armstrongs, like, right? I mean, nobody wants to leave that area of Florida. And, like, you know, they never want to leave that continental area. They're still living there years and years and years later. Yeah, this is where I was born and raised. I mean, this is home for me. Those guys are from Georgia, you know. And then, of course, when you have kids and then they get rooted into schools and have friends, and then first one thing and another, you don't want to uproot them, you know. Uh, but it's a great place to 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 retire, man. You got a little bit of everything here. You got beaches, you got rivers. You can hunt, you can fish, you can play golf, you can you know do anything you want to do. The weather is not terrible. We get a couple cold months out of the year. You know, we're in our cold time right now, but by the end of uh, February, early March, be short sleeve weather again, and you know, definitely, yeah. Now, as far as a WWF tryout, is that true? Did you get a WWF tryout that Bushwhackers match with you and Frankie? Was that technically a tryout for Vince McMahon and the WWF? Yeah, well, Frankie was handling that, <clears throat> and uh, Kurt Hennig got us the got us the spot. And um, I think it was in Nashville, I believe, where the show was that night. But, yeah, we worked with Luke and, and, and Butch. Oh, great, man. Matter of fact, I just I just got to see that back for the first time uh, here a couple, three months ago. They had it on uh, – Had somebody had tagged me on it on Facebook or something, and I clicked through and found it, but – 
Um, you know, the very first night we went there, we showed up, and uh, it was just something different, you know. I just didn't feel, you know, I just didn't feel it. But we were there, and I told Frankie, I said, I just don't feel this, man, you know. Uh, everybody is is taking care of themselves. Now, it was all freaking, um, it was jam up, man. Big freaking buffet, anything you wanted. I mean, it was all professional, jam up, whatever. But, you know, Vince, Vince talked to his guys, and that was it. And nobody else even, in my opinion, didn't matter. Because he was going to talk to this one, this one, this one, and this one, and the rest of you guys, you know, that that was just a perception I had. So uh, we're in the dressing room getting ready to, to get our finish and when we were going to go on. And I introduced myself to uh, uh, Gorilla, my handout, and, uh, you know, Wendell Cooley. He says, not tonight, you're not. I said, really? Huh. You know, I'm thinking, okay. Well, what the hell are you going to call me? What does it matter? You know what I mean? Yep. You know, what does it really matter? But they ended up using our name anyway. But I thought, what the hell, man? So anyway, we did the deal and uh, had a great match. Great guys, Luke and Butch. I had known them before then, had been around them some. You know, in Texas and then here, they worked for the Fullers here for a while, uh, Luke and Jonathan. But we had an opportunity to make another show, and I told him, I said, you know, I, I, I'm not interested. You know, I know I could have got a job. There was no doubt, um, you know. But I had already uh, done done my time, already made a name for myself, already done very well in the business. And I was not going to go get torn all the way back down, you know what I mean, and change my whole freaking name, gimmick, the whole deal, and wait for him to decide when or if he was going to give me the opportunity. You know what I mean? Yep. It didn't mean that much to me. It really didn't. Uh, So... I kind of that was uh that was the kind of end of it right there, you know. I done did everything. I done been to the islands. Um, I done work for all the territories here. Um, so you know, it was either go to work for Vince or you know do something else. So uh, I got me a, a, a easy government job, you know. So I work for the federal government. I've been with them since 96. And, uh, you know, built myself a future for myself and family. It was a great life, man. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. Made a lot of good friends. Got to see a lot of good places. Um, But I don't have the love for it that I did then. Uh, I still get calls and opportunities and offers to go do things, but got to be a super, super, super good payoff, you know what I mean, for me to get in my car and drive 200 miles right. or 100 miles anymore. I'd rather be on the golf course or, or on the river or something, you know. 
Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the life. Now that's as it. we as we head towards the finish, we head towards the uh, wind down. Do you have any regrets in in the business, or do you feel like you know you're pretty happy with the way everything went? Um, no, actually, no. I, I don't have any regrets. I think everything that I did, I did because there was a reason why I did it. Um, probably, um, might could have done a couple things a little differently. You know, then I did them, but far as regretting anything, I don't think so. I really don't. I think when I made my mind up that I was done and I turned and walked, you know, I didn't tell anybody anything. You know what I mean? Um, I just left, you know. I was still on top. You know, I see so many guys, they hang around and they hang around. and You, you try to make a comeback and you end up, you know, just really – you know, destroying your legacy pretty much, in my opinion. You know, you can't wear out your welcome. Um, no, I, I I think that uh, there was a reason why, you know, that I felt as strong as I did about it at the time. But I know me. That's why when I left, I had to leave totally. I couldn't, I couldn't dabble in it. You know what I mean? Because I'd have continued chasing it and chasing it and chasing it and getting frustrated because where the business had gotten at that time was one man was going to control your destiny for the rest of your career. And uh, whether you could outwork anybody in the business or whether you or not you couldn't didn't matter, Okay. It was the 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 size and the look that he was looking for, and um, you know I didn't match that. I'm five ten, two thirty. You know what I mean? And uh, he was going after the six five three twenty guys, and um, I just um, you know I could see the writing on the wall. Yeah, I had an opportunity to get a job. I could have made a living. I could still be working for it. You know what I mean? Because I know me. I know how hard of a worker I was. I knew that I knew my craft. And I could have kept a job. But, uh, you know, me, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it all or I'm not going to do it at all. You know what I mean? I didn't go to work for the government to 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 stay a laborer, you know what I mean? I was going to become a top-near supervisor before it was all said and done. So that's where I'm at, you know? You always want to get to the top of your craft. Yeah. And I had already, already, you know, I had already achieved that a lot sooner than a lot of people and later than some, you know, for me. You know, there was nothing left for me to do. You know what I mean? I didn't care about all of the uh, national exposure that Vince was getting on cable. I could care less, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, I, I'd already done it all, you know what I mean? I'd done, done everything. My main goal was to become a wrestler, do it at home in front of your 
hometown in front of your family, your friends, you know, people you grew up around. I accomplished that. And, um, you know, at the time, it was time to walk, man. It was time to walk. Still see guys right now, man, that I worked with back in my day 30 years ago are still trying to do it, you know. And some of them have nothing but that. You know, we just lost one of the super nicest guys ever in this business, Tracy Smothers. Oh, yeah. Yep. He was still doing this. He had nothing else really to fall back on, you know. Still driving around, man, hundreds of miles a week doing this stuff. And, uh, you know, it was time. It was time. It was time. I got you. And it's interesting, like, you know, looking back and and seeing everywhere you worked and everybody you worked. I mean, quite a good resume, if I must say so. Great resume. And all the places you worked, I mean, you worked, obviously, everywhere, literally all the top places. Like you said, there's no place where you really didn't work. Nope. Nope. There was not. You know, and that's why I've said, you know, it's time to go. I've done seen it all, done done it all. There was nothing really left for me to do except for go, you know, hang around and see what Vince could do with me or wanted to do with me. And I just didn't, you know, um, there was no place to call home when you're there. You know what I mean? Yep. Because you're in a suitcase. You're going for days and weeks on end, days and weeks on end. And uh, I just... uh, I wasn't ready for that. Well, not ready for it. I just, I wasn't ready to take that on again at that point in my life. You know what I mean? I done did that early on in my career. You know, I done finally made it to a place where I could call home every night if I wanted to. You know, I done put my miles in on the road. It was supposed to be time to, you know, um, stay here. Of course, I never thought it would end like it ended, you know, far as uh, Vince and, uh, you know, buying everything out and running everybody out of business. But had that not have happened, I'd have probably uh, ended up doing another 10 years or so if my body would have held up right here, you know. The bad knee injuries, the the broken neck, those things... uh, those were um those were things I thought about a lot, you know, thinking about going back to work for Vince with all those big new guys he was bringing in and breaking in and you know, I'm not going to get in the ring with those guys and get hurt, you know. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, he was just he was just putting people in the ring, man. He was just putting bodies in there. It's just one of those things where I don't know if he likes the guys that can work, or at that point, he definitely didn't like guys that could work. He liked those guys that look good on TV. That's it. It was all about, it was all about you know, um, um, commercializing them, man, just making money off of their, their you know, stuff. He could care less about the actual house shows and things like that, man. Just making millions of dollars off souvenirs and clothes and toys and you know all that kind of stuff. 
Now, I probably could have got there. I don't know. And could have got me a good, you know, upper middle card spot. Uh, of course, you know you weren't going to get over uh, Savage and Hogan and the Warrior and those guys that were there at the time. You'd have had to wait your turn, you know. But wasn't ready when, you know what I mean, to make that move. Yep. Time to go in another direction. Well, you did have quite a run, though. I mean, despite all that, like we like we said, the run in Memphis, the run in Mid-South, obviously the Continental area where you kind of really made a big name for yourself, Puerto Rico as well, WCW, WF, you kind of did it all. So it's been an awesome chat, Mr. Cooley. Thank you so much uh, for all the time. Is there any place where the fans can kind of reach out? Do you do social media at all? Do you have, like, plugs I or do anything have, like that? Yeah, I do have a Facebook page, and... um Matter of fact, I'm going to do a live, uh, uh, a virtual signing. Oh, wow. Awesome. If I can plug that. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think February 26th, and, I'm tr- I, and, I, and I hate it because I just set this up day before yesterday, and I, I forgot the guy's name that called me the point of contact for it, but th- they're starting to put all the publicity out for it, and I'm assuming that's all going to be on social media. So, yeah, we'll be doing a virtual signing February 26th, if I'm not mistaken, was the date that we decided. So that's coming up. It'll be the first one of those I've ever done. And um, um, I kind of in the back of my mind, he asked me if I had anything that I wanted to get rid of at the time, and I may end up letting letting my last pair of boots go. Oh, you know, wow. my kids, my kids yep. took the stuff that they wanted to take and keep. And I got one set of cowboy boots left, and I got one top left after all of these years. Uh, and I may auction them off that night. So, yeah, if yeah, if I can plug that, uh, it'd be great. Awesome. That sounds great. Uh, looking forward to that. That's pretty cool stuff. And the virtual signing stuff is a cool thing nowadays because obviously, you know, with the pandemic, people can't get around. But now with the way technology is, you can literally feel like you're meeting the guys and you're right next to the guys, but you're yeah. going to do it virtually. So it's pretty damn cool. Yes, exactly. All right. Mr. Cooley, thank you so much uh, for all the time. I, I really appreciate it. It's been quite a fun chat for me and I really well, appreciate yeah, all I hope your time. So, man. Good. I hope so. Well, thank you, man. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash Empire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two Man Power Trip, where the power lies brother.